I'm never going to feel this way about anyone else. You're right. I didn't expect you to say that. There'll be others. But every time you feel love, it'll be different. Every time it's different. Set a course Ah, oh, yes. One of your Earth emotions. Glad I found you. Let's get married. Delete the wife. Welcome back to Deep Space Love. We're a Trekkie couple. Yours truly, Nicole, and... Yours other truly, Joe. <clears throat> that didn't pan out as well as I thought. No, it was good. Anyway, um, married Trekkie couple discussing love on the final frontier. We are excited to come back. It's been a while since we've released an episode, but we are looking forward to discussing the episode we've got today. And that would be TNG episode, second season, episode 10. Fun fact that I just revealed to Joe, this episode actually comes right after Measure of a Man. And what a follow-up. It is quite the follow-up. It's very interesting, sort of the way that uh, TNG can kind of bounce around with the topics that it covers. Um, Anyway, if that did not clue you in, this episode is The Dolphin, which feels weird to say The Dolphin because dolphin is... French word, so I want to say le dauphin. See, I even said it more Frenchly, just adding the French article on there. Anyway, um, Joe, do you have a synopsis for us? Yeah, I think I do. Hold on, let me pull it up. Oh, all right. You weren't ready. <laughs> no, I was, well, I'm giggling because when you when you Google it, you see a picture of the orangutan monster right away. All right, the synopsis for le dauphin. Was that right? It was decent. Thanks. The synopsis goes as follows. The USS Enterprise is assigned to escort a young girl, Celia, and her guardian to the planet she was born to rule. On the way, however, Celia has a chance encounter with Wesley, who is instantly and obviously smitten. (laughs) So, yeah, a Wesley Crusher kind of first love, teenage love episode, um, which I think we... You know, it's a little different. I think I don't think we've discussed any like kind of young love like that yet. No, no, definitely no. not. No, I don't think so. In our like five episodes so far. No, not in our no. five episodes. <laughs> so a little bit of new territory. Um, Can I just say, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm impressed with your intro and how uh, how we just jump straight into episode and no witty banter. You didn't ask me how I'm doing at all. Well, now that just sounds cruel. How well, are you I, doing? I'm good. I mean, I guess you saw me most of the day, so it, it actually doesn't make sense. But actually, no. For the sake of viewers, we or, we were listeners, working. listeners, not viewers. <laughs> we, we worked today, so we didn't see much of each other. This is so our, how are you? This is our time together. Well, I'm eight months pregnant, so so great. Yeah, in some ways, we just had some delicious vegan peanut butter cup ice cream, homemade. So. I guess that's one part. Okay, okay. So, so <laughs> what's the what's the vegan homemade ice cream? What does that even mean for people listening? 
Well, it's made with frozen bananas instead of ice cream, basically. That's kind of where you get the the cold, creamy um, texture blended with a little bit of vanilla and peanut butter. And then you chop up some of your favorite peanut butter cups and sprinkle them in. Yeah, it's pretty damn good, by the way. Yes, second time in a week we've had it. Yeah, really, really good. Maybe I'll have to have you post the recipe in in the notes for the episode. <laughs> in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, or on Twitter. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back to dolphins. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't know why this episode is called that. It's Did a, you? So it's actually a French word, right? It's a, it's like French royalty. I, <laughs> but French is it's French for dolphin. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Did you see, no, read I, something? Well, kind of. I thought I heard something. I thought I'd read something in a long time ago past about it being like French for like royalty. That doesn't sound familiar to me. And I'm the French minor. Breaking news. Dauphin, title of the eldest son of a king of France, the heir apparent to the French crown, the heir apparent to this planet. Bingo. Dauphin. Okay. Okay. You're right. Yeah. So I feel... I feel kind of good about that. It's an interesting choice on the part of the French to have like the same word mean dolphin, like a marine animal, marine mammal, I guess, as well as like the head of royalty, the son of royalty. The French are anything if bold. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, so yeah, this, um, this is such a wild episode because there's like creatures and there's teenage love and Guinan is in this episode, which is great. She's some of the best parts of this episode, honestly. Um, we have Miles O'Brien in this episode. <laughs> you see, like the back of Miles's head. Like that's I don't know. That, I don't even. Does anymore. he speak? I don't think he spoke. I don't know if he did. We're gonna get criticized for being wrong on that one. Okay, I can deal with that. So, Celia and her caretaker, I guess, is not her parent because her parents supposedly. Um, I don't know. Are they dead? Is that I, what they I, said? Presumably. So basically the planet was in like this uh, intense civil war and her parents were from opposing sides. So it's sort of Rom- Romeo and Juliet-esque. Um, and they gave birth to her and she's supposed to rule the planet and unite the two factions. But they had her go be raised some other place uh, so as to be neutral. So when she came back, she wouldn't have either side's like biases, so to speak. So like... Um, yeah, her parents are dead, but she's going with this caretaker to go. Uh, this caretaker basically acted as her mom, uh, raised her. And, like a nurse. Like a nurse, yeah. But she was, you know, they seem to have like a close relationship. But she's, yeah, now she's they entrusted Starfleet to transport her uh, back to her home, her actual home planet where she's supposed to rule. Which is uh, an interesting reminder of how much of TNG is really just about transporting people. <laughs> Which in this case is interesting because... I don't know. Once you find, once at the end of the episode, when you discover the kind of beings that they are and the powers that at least the caretaker, what was her name again? Anya. Anya. Anya claims to have sort of like, did you really need Starfleet to escort you on a starship? Like, I don't know. I I mean, honestly, I think early TNG wasn't necessarily concerned as much with world building as just kind of doing some like cool, you know, storyline episodes, you know? Okay, fine. That's fine. Like, I mean, in universe, (laughs) I don't know the answer, but I mean, I feel like, 
you know, like now they're they're all like worried about like the mechanics of canon and like everything like that is more more of a important point later down the road rather than those first couple seasons. Touche. But I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's the real answer. But uh, anyway, just just give me some thoughts. What did you think of the episode overall? There are some highs and lows. Um, I think based on the topic, teenage love, first love, um, you know, especially with Wesley, I'm not sure that they really, (laughs) the writers were entirely sure what they necessarily wanted with the Wesley character. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's kind of still in like an awkward stage. So there's, you know, it's got that like awkward, the awkward vibes kind of between them. But I also feel like it's kind of sweet. Like there's nothing like it's very, it's like this like innocent, like first love experience um, surrounded by, I guess like the, you know, the context of these aliens can like shape shift. And that was kind of weird, like a strange decision. I feel like ultimately, um, although it, it sets up the whole kind of deception on her part to, to Wesley, I think that, there's some really cool scenes though. I really like the scene at the end with Guinan and Wesley. I think I like some of the lines exchanged there. I also, I can't help but enjoy just like shout out to the Riker and Guinan scene where, and I guess Riker's trying to show him how to flirt, <laughs> Wesley how to flirt and him and Guinan like role play and it just kind of keep going. I don't know. You know the scene I'm talking about. An absolutely delightful scene. It's yeah. so delightful. They're just staring in each other's eyes and complimenting each other. It's 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 great. And they're like it starts off as a role play, but you you don't know. Like maybe after a little bit, it's it's not quite a role play anymore. Yeah, they kind of just push Wesley away, and like it's sort of like, <laughs> is this still an act, or are they just enjoying each other's compliments? Yeah, and Wesley's like, I'm know. out. Yeah. Careful, putting me on a pedestal so high, you may not be able to reach me. Then I'll learn how to fly. You are the heart in my day and the soul in my night. I don't think this is my style. Shut up, kid. Tell me more about my eyes. Um, Also, though, surprise, like, silver medal to the interactions and, I guess, I don't know if you'd say relationship between Worf and Anya. It was interesting how that kind of kept like coming up throughout the episode and how they have a particular scene at the end where they part ways respectfully despite the way that they've been kind of adversary adversarial towards each other the whole episode because she's trying to protect Celia and he's like I need to protect you know the other people on this ship that's my job so um yeah and and I think like the the, the creature shifting stuff is very interesting I have some questions I might bring up later about some of that, but I don't know. I guess you've got romance and monsters and you know, the stars. So what what's not to love? I'd say it's pretty average, though. I mean, again, coming off the measure of a man in sequence, like it's hard to follow up. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough act to follow. There, um, I I don't know. I think this is um, I when we went into this one, I I not really remembered it. Uh, at all like i don't remember much of this at all but going like watching it now i actually really really kind of enjoyed it i know it's um early tng is really rocky but there was kind of there's this like weird charm to it that i appreciated and i like how these earlier seasons really went out there with just some weird aliens even though by today's standards they don't really 
work in quotation marks because you can tell they're just people in suits and they're silly looking. But I like the I like the effort. I like the monster the monster suits. I was all all about it. Of course um, you were. I mean, as our, some of our listeners may recall, Joe is a uh, host of another podcast called Frankenstein's Podcast, where the discussion is monsters. So, of course, you loved the monster aspect of this episode. It was kind of like your two loves all in one. Right. Yeah. No. I so I was I was into that aspect of it. So the, the monster piece was cool. Um, the the romance part was surprisingly sweet i feel like we've noted before that sometimes the romances don't come off very well but i thought it was done well i think will wheaton did a great job i think uh all all i mean the guest cast did really good the uh the actress who played anya the caretaker did a nice job at some points giving off some almost like kai win energy where she yes. was like scary and, we but didn't then, discuss this i had the same yeah the vibe. same thought yes but like she also brings this level of like I like compassion to the role that you kind of you're kind of like okay so I kind of get where she's coming from too so she has brings like more nuance to it in a sense and I appreciate that and like the fact that she's this little old lady who can transform transform into this like big monster and fight Worf is a very fun concept um and like her her like you said like her and Worf's relationship almost like was one of my favorite pieces to that like I love the moment when when she's like a big monster Worf is fighting her and she's she's beating Worf <laughs> then she turns back into old lady and Worf is about to backhand her as old lady Picard had to stop him Worf stop you know like that was hilarious like Worf was just about to wreck the old lady okay the the bean that was in uh, projecting as an old woman okay still Worf had no hesitation okay so launching into the monster the monster as aspect so i think what was like interesting to me is okay so they start out the episode and they're like oh yeah what what species are you guys again which is like a kind of a weird question like mm. out of context like like humans yeah okay okay so then they come on looking human and then it's interesting that even in their own quarters and, and maybe they thought they could be barged in on at any time they don't take on their true form and in fact even though like they could accidentally be barged in on they take on the form of these kind of like furry looking monsters because in in their quarters Anya turns into kind of like like an Oompa Loompa sized like little tiny like I don't know bear like like an Oompa Loompa teddy bear like an Oompa Loompa teddy bear when she is talking to to Celia um and Celia stays in her human form basically almost the entire episode um, but then again, like you said, when Anya is fighting Worf in sickbay, she takes on like this sort of like Bigfoot look, like taller. Um, the face is different. Um, I think it's a totally different fur color. Um, you know, and then, and then she comes back into like the humanoid form. And then later we see Celia also take on like the big furry Bigfoot type thing. She's the orange orangutan monster. Oh, orangutan-esque. Okay. That's what it looked like to me, at least. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, like, there's no consistency in, like, in that. And then at the very, very end, we see when she's saying goodbye to Wesley, she turns into some sort of classic TNG energy being of some sort or light light being or something. Um, so, like, it's just, I feel like there's, like, like, a lack of consistency with, like, I don't know. I mean... It just it just boggles me. I don't know. Do you have any insight as to maybe the choice? You know, I don't know. Coming from someone who enjoys monsters a lot in media, what do you think was the goal there? 
Well, I mean, I th- I think they're just. I think they're the design department's just trying to do something fun with monsters, but I think that in universe the the question as to why they're not their energy forms, I think that I think the implication was that they were trying to be in a form that was like best adapted to the environment of the enterprise, whether they're they were like humans or like almost sort of humanoid like creatures, um like walking on legs and breathing air kind of thing, but like it seemed like the the energy being form like the when they they did the readings of the planet uh, it was like inhospitable for humans, so they're like in a form that would fit better on that planet. So I think they were just like, well, we can adapt here and and do this and just look like what they look like, and that's sort of maybe, maybe culturally is what they do when they like interact with other aliens. They try to look like something, I don't know, in a sense, pleasable to them. Does that make sense? Okay, I guess. But just like when they were in their own quarters, like why even bother? I mean, maybe it's just a comfort thing. Maybe like being in their true form is also not comfortable in that environment too. I don't. I don't know. Probably budgetary reasons, but. <laughs> or maybe emotional. I don't know. I guess when she's trying to talk to Celia, Anya takes on, like, again, sort of this, like, slightly more friendly, like, yeah, like a little <laughs> Oompa Loompa teddy bear um, size and, and face as opposed to, like, the bigger when she's trying to be intimidating. Yeah. So I actually read a little bit about the visual effects. So like Dan Curry is one of the VFX supervisors for Star Trek. And um, he actually talked about one of the most interesting parts of this episode was the morphing technique. So how we saw like the characters morph into the monsters and change a little bit. Um, And so this is actually used a painted morph scene, a hand animated sequence from picture to picture. Uh, And he actually used the technique before in like working on the Friday the 13th movies, which was kind of interesting. Um, but also, uh, the director did not like the monster costumes. He thought they were hammy and cheesy and silly. So he tried to minimize the amount of time they they were on screen. And I think they wanted to focus more on those morphing thinking that was like really cool tech, you know, like, Oh, look at this morphing shot we can do on TV kind of thing. So I, I I wonder if the script actually had a lot more monster scenes. Okay. Um, I mean, no disrespect. I mean, you can tell that there was a lot of work put into the design of the costumes or the creatures and the morphine. I mean, is yeah. I mean, I think that that was done well for what. Agreed. Was. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I think the, I think the costumes are cool. I think they're a little cheesy, but I think they're fun. Like, I think that's one thing that you get in early TNG that not, not so much later on where they really swing for the fences with the, the weird alien makeup and weird costumes. And I, I know like, some of Star Trek is criticized for just having funky foreheads or funky noses or funky ears. But if you go back to some of these early episodes, they really they really have some weird stuff and they, they try to make like kind of weird monster aliens. And I appreciate that. Same, same. So did you have any uh, any favorite moments of the episode that stand out to you other than the wharf on your relationship? Well, I also mentioned the Riker Guinan scene um, as yes. well as the scene between Guinan and Wesley at the end. Um, but... I think also, I mean, overall, I think that I also thought this too is interesting. You know, I I don't think this was like had anything to do with choices in writing, but the fact that um, because this is a this is the Pulaski season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Wesley's kind of going through this like first teenage crush, first relationship experience without, you know, his you know i mean his father is deceased but like you know in every other season he's got beverly to 
to to come back to for for advice or um you know just to to talk to and he doesn't have like his mom to to do that with and so what ends up happening is he ends up going to all most of the male crew members um you know of the of the bridge crew anyway to get i guess advice and um insight on how to pursue this relationship to pursue Celia and you know either talk to her and, and whatever and how to like kind of like navigate this experience I think so um that was something that kind of stood out I almost wonder what would have happened or how things maybe would have gone differently maybe if if um Beverly had been had been in this season and would, would have been there to guide Wesley through some of this stuff so for those of you who may not be as well adept in, this, in Star Trek TNG lore, uh, we mean the Pulaski season is season two of TNG, and that means uh, uh, Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Crusher, Wesley's mom, actually left the show for the season and was replaced by um, Diana Mulder, who played Dr. Pulaski, kind of took on uh, not the same character but a different role. Um, and she had actually previously been in Star Trek, the original series, too, which is kind of a fun fact. But... Um, for the season two of the next generation, she was the the ship's doctor, and so yeah, I think that is an interesting question: how this maybe would have played out differently, or how his how his actions would have been different if his mom was right there and available to him. Not that Wesley did anything wrong, but no, because it could have been different. Just could have been different. Um, you know, uh, let's see who does he he goes to? Okay, so we see him go to Worf for advice, which Worf you know was, is just comical. Worf was great. I mean, we learned a little bit about Klingons. Like he's like. What was it like the the Klingons like bite or the Klingon females bite and throw things, or no scream? There was a screaming, right? I honestly don't remember. It yeah. was it's very intense uh, physical was, courtship. Worf was clearly exciting himself describing it. Yeah, it was not Wesley's cup of tea though. No, and like like yeah. Worf was almost growling and throwing things and oh yeah, the women throw things and the men read love po- poetry. That's what That's it was. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Men do not roar. Women roar. And they hurl heavy objects and claw at you. What does the man do? He reads love poetry. And then he, and then he, uh, of course, Data chimes in and has, I don't think the best insights on dating, but uh, <laughs> you know, he then he goes to Riker, which I think I would have went to first. Yeah, even though like Picard's sort of like a bit of a father figure to Wesley, like it, Picard would be so uncomfortable in this situation. No, Picard mm-hmm. would not handle it well. I mean, frankly, the only time that they interacted was when Picard was like, "Honestly, you should just <laughs> stay away from her because there's yeah. like some drama going on." Well, there's that that moment when Wesley was all sad in the hallway, and Picard just stares like, "I should do something." And nope, leaves. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't know how to deal. He does not does know how to handle kids. Um, I think. I mean, I think. Well, and then Jordy as well, um, mostly because Jordy can tell that something's on Wesley's mind. Jordy was yeah, had some decent advice, but also Jordy was super busy, like reconfiguring whatever on the whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean, whatever right. was making them not go faster. It was the kind of like plot contrivance to make him stay for a longer time. Yeah. Yeah. So he was busy figuring that shit out. Although now that you're talking about Jordy again and and, and whatever issue he was working on with the ship, it was very. <laughs> The the scene where Anya comes into she's getting a tour of the ship and she's in engineering and she's basically talking down to Jordy like oh like okay like you're not doing this right or you could be doing this better and like just sort of this like gets on a high horse about it and it's like really weird like this like weird posturing. 
She did quite a bit of posturing. Yeah, yeah. She did quite a bit of posturing. She like basically insults Jordy and then like tries to fight Worf. Like basically, I mean, she she really could have injured or like maybe even killed him in her like the the big whatever Bigfoot form. Yeah, yeah, she could have. But I don't know. It was fun. Like it was a fun progression of like talking to the crew members. Like of course, like of course, Riker's the one you go to, but that's like the one they built up to like narratively. You know, going from the different crew members to Riker, and that was, you know, that was a fun one. But was he um, helpful? Uh, no, but he was the one that was seemed to be the most, like, adept in, like, talking to the, like, potential mates, basically. Potential mates, is that what you'd say? Honestly, at the end of the day, even after he contacts all these, you know, kind of fellow crew members whom he looks up to, ultimately he has to kind of just make his own decisions and be himself, which, of course, is... You know, always. I think Jordy might have said that, like, just be yourself. You know, and yeah, Jordy said that actually. So, so Jordy had the best advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because like you know, Riker's like smooth talking, flirty, and you know, just very like intense in a different way from which Worf is describing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Jordy's kind of that like middleman where he's just like just can talk to her, Wes, and you know, and Wesley's like, what do I say? And Wes or Jordy's like, just. Just talk, just say anything, just put words out. <laughs> yeah. And Wesley like, surprisingly had like a good date game, like starting with chocolate mousse, right? Special alien chocolate mousse, like a night on the holodeck, which he chose some really romantic scenes on the holodeck, which I, I imagine that there's got to be like, like a technique to choosing the right holodeck setting for a date. Cause I'm sure everyone goes to holodeck on dates, right? That's gotta be like a go-to spot, but there's gotta be like, Oh, you chose this place on the holodeck, or oh, you chose this place on the holodeck. Like, this is different. There's different vibes, and I, and he chose the the latter of that. He he like she was Celia was all about the choices, and then and then he ends the date with more chocolate. Yeah, that was so, smart. Yeah, he knew he knew what to do. <laughs> he did. Or yes. he just naturally fell into it. Like he got it. He had it down. He he knew that like if you want to get someone's attention you give them chocolate it's a big it's a big uh, it's a big plus maybe off screen he talked to troy who maybe suggested that because we know diana yeah chocolate that would have been fun yeah if we would talk to troy and she'd be like chocolate yeah yeah maybe it was in the script and it was cut out who knows i did also kind of love their just like initial like meet cute that they did were just like just i don't know nerdily talking about a magnet Oh yeah. And it was kind of adorable. Like and she's like, Who is who is that young man? And like and then like Wesley's like, Who is that? You know, like that whole thing. And they're just infatuated with each other and I don't know. It was a kind of an adorable scene. Yeah, I mean so like one thing that she seems to you know, you're talking about the holodeck. Um I mean one thing that she finds captivating about Wesley is the fact that he's on this ship that's where he lives and he gets to explore all these different places. Um, because he takes her to places that he's been to, right? I mean, that's that's what yeah, he's I think going. So. He's going through places he's been, and he's describing like you know the really cool things about those places, and like I think maybe what he what he did while he was there or whatever. And so, like that's one thing that at least is captivating for her, who she's you know, and she explains that she's basically just been isolated on this one planet her whole life, and she has been essentially raised for this single. <laughs> I don't want to say single goal, but kind of. I mean, it's interesting as we see Anya kind of being overprotective of Celia. And it's like, is she, you know, is it a maternalistic? Like, I care. I mean, she clearly cares about 
about Celia, but at the same time, there there's also this like, I don't know. Always when she's talking to the crew, she puts on an air of like, you know, she is very important and like she must get to this planet, you know, in order to address these warring factions. And I don't know. So you know what I mean? Like she's just she's been in like a glass bubble her whole life, basically, Celia. So. Wesley's like adventurous starfaring journeys are very intriguing and captivating. I mean, not that she doesn't find Wesley himself. I mean, obviously, like we said, she he gives her chocolate and like he's interested in what she has to say, which probably, you know, she hasn't had anybody else to talk to also for like her whole life either, except for Anya, so and or nobody her own age, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, and and so yeah, I mean it's it's no wonder there's kind of an attraction there, and and I kind of like how it's not like a like a hard to get sort of thing, or there's like one pining over the other and the other one's not interested, like that kind of thing. Like they're both into each other, and and I kind of like that. It feels it feels nice for a story like this where like it would have been like oh Wesley's into her and she doesn't notice or doesn't or not into him that kind of thing. That would have made it so much more awkward and uncomfortable. But the fact that they both like each other uh, was interesting, and then it made the conflict all the more interesting. In that, the guardian Anya was trying to like be like, "You can't see Wesley because blah blah blah. Like it'll distract you, or it's you'll get involved with stuff, or it might be dangerous." And so, like, um, it's just it's a different conflict than you see in sometimes some some of these romances. So I kind of like that. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like I liked I liked a lot of it. I think. Uh, I saw like a, a note from like one of the writers so they felt like this was a pretty like a relatively conflict-free episode and in a sense that's kind of true because it's like the bang the main like external crux is like the ship not moving right because Jordy has to fix stuff uh, and otherwise it's just it's like the romance and the love story and like the sort of the bumps along the way and the fact that it's sort of like not, not meant to be unfortunately because she's meant to go rule and so it's like that it's just like a like a first love story but like with the sci-fi elements so it's kind of, I don't know it's a fun small story and actually feels um, and some of the comedic beats, beats too like feels like something you'd almost see like uh, a mirror of that now in Lower Decks like these the kind of plots that Lower Decks is playing on you know like oh the ship doesn't work for such and such reason and there's some goofy shapeshifters on board you know yeah I could see this turned into a Lower Decks type story yeah, yeah. <laughs> this just feels like the, the the types of stories that like mike mcmahon and crew are like looking to in tng to be like that's what we kind of want to bring to this and like update so it's a perfect example so if you're a lower decks fan and haven't watched tng you should watch this episode or vice versa or vice versa yeah any other fun tidbits joe yeah it's kind of interesting so like the two characters uh like wesley and Celia, are meant to be kind of around the same age um but she was actually the actress is quite a bit older than him in real life it says, uh, so I think you saw this too, but it was actually yeah. Will Wheaton's first on-screen kiss. Uh, I don't know, was his first actual Aww. kiss? I'm not sure. I but, don't know. Uh, actress, the actress Jamie Hubbard, who played Celia, but she was actually 10 years older than him in real life. Uh, and, and there's a kind of a cool quote I found from Will Wheaton about it too. He says, uh, quote, I used to get a lot of mileage out of this joke I'd tell at conventions. The first girl that Wesley fell in love with turned out to be a shapeshifter who turned into a hideous monster, you know, after he had exposed his soul to her which happened a lot to me in my personal life. And I was glad Star Trek was able to catch, capture that parallel. <laughs> yeah. uh, we love Will. We do. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of fun to, just to know like the stories he've, he's told about behind the scenes and how like truly it did feel like a family to him and like how uh, like nurturing like the cast was to him. And so like it, 
you know, like I'm sure like sometimes on screen kisses or anything like that's really uncomfortable. So it's, it's nice to know that, you know, I know Will had some struggles in his real life. It's nice to know that he had like such a supportive group of people like with him during, during that, the, the, all these themes and just like in general. So. All right. Um, do you have a rating for this relationship? This romance? Well, it seem, seems like you're ready. Why don't you start? No, I think I always start. I think you should go first for once. After you. Just kidding. I'll go. I was about to push it, but I didn't want to anymore. I'm pregnant. You can't. Okay. That's fair. Um, I, yeah, I guess we can jump into the rating system. If you uh, are new to our show, we do have a patented uh, rating system in which we rate the romance in question based on uh, many factors, but how do we feel about in general and, and what we think about uh, the portrayal of, of, a, of a healthy love story. So um, in this case, I, um, I'm going to give it a full-on hard fascinating. Fascinating. A full-on hard fascinating. I, I'm yeah, not I wavering. What you, I'm just going to word that differently. You don't like it? Hard fascinating? <laughs> anyway, I didn't want to waver between like sometimes I've said in the past that um, uh, it's like, oh, it's like a fascinating verging on yellow alert or a fascinating verging on like um, resistance futile or something or like above. But like it's just it's just like squarely there. I feel like it's fascinating because it's showing that first love like we've talked about and and it's it's good. Like it's not it doesn't feel toxic. It, I mean, there, there's some elements that I feel like could be done better. I think Wesley um I was a little bit annoyed with Wesley when he was mad at her for not revealing that she was a shapeshifter. But at the same time, like, I get it. I'm like, that would probably be frustrating, you know, like um, miscommunications and like, you know, when they're young and new to all this thing, it's, it's scary to reveal like elements of your true self to the other one. And so like when somebody like is finally coming clean with that to be to, to treat them negatively, that's really hard for somebody. Um, but at the same time, like it's a really complex scenario and Wesley does like come to his senses quick and be like, no, 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 I don't want to leave on bad terms. So like, here's chocolate again. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I appreciate all those elements and it just, it showed like, I feel like that shows how messy those like first kind of the romances can feel and be. Um, but I felt like the messiness was never verging into like anything toxic or bad. Um, even though there was like secrets, of course, um, that were being held, but you know, it just, it just never felt like negative it felt positive and nice and cute and and i like you said i loved what guinan said at the end when wesley's sad about losing her um and and she like she has to go rule her planet of course but she's like he's like i will i ever feel love like this again and she's like no you won't but that's the beauty of it every love is different and that's i feel like that like like you mentioned earlier it's such a powerful like great like note to end something like, like this on like it's okay for something to end and it's okay for something to not feel like that again so full hard fascinating oh man you could just say fascinating full hard fascinating <clears throat> um okay i was really struggling with where to go on this one which is why i made you go first because i wanted to know where you fell ah, a little bit motives i mean i kind of had already made my decision but i think I think I'm at a. I think I'm at a yellow alert. Yellow alert. Um, I know, like a lot of the things you just pointed out was that it was a young, early love, and like you know, um, I guess the point you made about like sometimes you know you you don't 
show your full selves in like it was a very fleeting romance of course so they didn't have time to really talk too much about some of those things and like who they really are I guess um it's kind of a bit of a surface level um infatuation I suppose but I guess it's tough ultimately like I think yeah I, I I had mixed feelings about when she ends up having to sort of reveal that she's also a shapeshifter which I don't know why Wesley didn't like maybe consider that because they found out early on that Anya was a shapeshifter and so did they just like think that they were a different species I don't know really nobody really asked that question and Wesley did know right that Anya had that shapeshifting ability so I don't know why he didn't maybe piece together that possibly Celia Celia might I mean I guess it's not like he asked and she said no and then she had to like go back on that so but there was like it felt slightly deceptive I suppose but maybe just from like the view us as a viewer knowing really what's what's going on um and then it's it is hard at first because it's like it's when he finds out and you can tell he's he feels sort of betrayed and frustrated and sad and and I was trying to work through does he is he just sad because he feels deceived um but then like why like is it because she doesn't actually look like this like you know adorable like teenage girl with like long pretty hair um you know so is he disappointed that like essentially like you know she's is it because she's not who she says she is or that she's been saying that she is or because like she like her looks are different than what like he had thought all along like which I feel like can be somewhat it can be a, a, a toxic thing, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, I haven't really experienced online dating, but, you know, sort of like, oh, like, you know, the way you look in your profile picture is not what, you know, the person I met for dinner kind of thing, or like, you know, you look so different and, and sort of feeling betrayed by somebody. And it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird gray area and I'm not really sure how to like interpret, you know, but ultimately, like, I feel like Wesley redeems himself in that he decides to part on good terms and of course you know bring more chocolate and um and and so he kind of ends on like this like better note um you know and I mean I guess there had to be some sort of conflict between them in order for there to be you know for there to be kind of something there to write about as opposed to like everything going super smoothly for them and and that kind of thing um I don't know and it's hard because like she at some point you know I mean hanging out with Wesley and seeing all of the things that he's done in his life and knowing, you know, what's to come for him is all of these exciting adventures and making his own decisions and seeing all these cool places. And, you know, she starts to realize that she's probably not going to get to do that. And so she, Celia, he starts to question um, her role in coming to this planet and trying to bring peace to factions that have been at war for apparently many many years many many years and so um I mean that's a lot for like a young person to take on and so you can understand that she I don't know it's unfortunately it kind of like it's sort of bittersweet in that it gives her it kind of gave her this like little bit of taste of like what what the universe or the galaxy is kind of like beyond her her home's 
her home planet um, or what it's going to be like. But at the same time, um, you know, there's nothing she can really do about it except, again, I guess sort of from the other side, like, you know, sort of like fleeting experience um, that she, you know, just kind of has to understand is is going to end or is not like for her, I guess. I don't know. Does that make sense? Did I ramble? I think I rambled. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, it's fine. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think that makes sense. You furrowed your brow. I don't know what you're thinking. You have thoughts. No, I no, you're good. I think that was interesting. Yeah, I think that. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess I think you're you're thinking yellow alert, like in a long term sort of thing. Like it's no, not going to work, I was right? Trying not to. No, I no. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I don't want to think about it in like long term i mean okay so it was short and in that time i mean like how much of it i mean a lot of it was good but there was also this like like kind of weird thing that happened where like she turned into like an orangutan and like fought her like caretaker nurse person and um like without any war you know without any warning i mean i don't know if i turned into a fucking orangutan wouldn't you be like whoa what I'd still love you for who you are <laughs> okay <laughs> You'd have some questions, though. I mean, questions, but <laughs> yes, yes. That I mean, that that's yeah. That, there's some red flags there, but just minor red flags, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Oh, you're trying to convince me it is like a little bit more fascinating, I guess. Kind of, yeah. I think so. I think especially just because it's not like like it's like it is so um, okay it's here, so short. Okay, here's this too, though. Is like again, I'm wondering what the substance of the relationship even though again it was fleeting and i'm not saying that it had to like work out long term that's not what i'm saying but like i mean like the all that that their relationship contained you know in the time that they knew each other i mean you know i feel like i don't know again i i said like she was kind of fascinated with like wesley's life and like i feel like he was fascinated with her looks there i see Okay, so I feel like there wasn't enough substance for me to like really put it to fascinating because it was like a five-hour relationship. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, obviously, yeah, he was definitely attracted to her at first. like that. I'm not saying like, that's bad either. But just... also, to be fair, I think the attraction was upped because of how fascinated she was by the magnet. What? By the magnet in the beginning. Oh, she was so you're like, saying he likes her brains and her beauty. Yeah. she was Because at mm. first he was like, oh, she's pretty. And like, oh, she likes the magnet. So <laughs> like double points. Double points. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Give Wesley some more credit. I will say one last thing is I wonder. And this is when I was coming up with my rating. I, I also thought about this. There was also the fact that there was a lot of interference from the adults on on both sides so obviously Anya was very intrusive and was trying to snuff out the the candle the light of this candle of romance as it was just getting sparked she was trying to stamp it out um so there was that plus you know and then ultimately because of like the drama she's created Anya Picard has that you know talk with Wesley about like essentially kind of like I think it'd be best if you don't see her um, you know, so Don't I mean, create a diplomatic incident. Yeah. So, but the adult interference in the relationship, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have been so, I don't know if I would, maybe I wouldn't have felt like that. I think it maybe I would have leaned more towards fascinating, you know, if like they would have been able to 
experience the relationship on their own terms without the adults interfering, I guess, maybe. Sure, fair enough. On that note, actually, I think it was interesting that scene when, uh, when like, Celia sort of escapes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, not escapes, but, like, leaves Anya and comes back to Wesley and says, like, I know we're not supposed to see each other, but I wanted to see you one last time. And they have that first kiss. Remember yeah. that part? Like, in my head, because I didn't remember this episode, I was worried that that scene that Celia was actually Anya in disguise as as her as the as like Celia to like be like hey I'm I'm here to break the rules but like oh and then she's going to be monster and be like scare him off like don't you dare come near her again kind of thing so I thought there was going to be a twist there you know like before like mm. right like I thought that was going to be the twist but then like Anya bursts in and becomes a monster on her own anyway and then that's when we see Celia become the orangutan orangutan monster thing also okay quick mention Anya was like you got to kill that guy that like Pulaski's treating and sick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Yeah, that was bad. That's what led to the the her first fight with Worf. Yeah, it was a bit overkill too on her part yeah. to be like, "Oh, she could catch this virus." Like Yeah, she was basically Anya saw this was visiting sick bay and saw this uh this this guy who had a virus but like it was like a point zero some percent chance that it would spread or something. And so she's like, no, just murder him because we got to keep Celia safe. Yeah, that was a bit uncalled for. I also... That was the Kai Win energy. That was the Kai Win energy, <laughs> yeah. Um, for those who aren't as... Don't have quite as much... Haven't watched as much Trek as we have. Um, Kai Win is a character from the series uh, Deep Space Nine. And she's a... She's often an adversary. <laughs> yeah, and she's uh, played by the wonderful Louise Fletcher, who's also an Academy Award winner. Uh, so she plays the character is played really well, and just and had a lot of time to develop, and is just like this perfectly kind of evil character, but kind uh, of like Umbridge. Yeah, like an Umbridge character, yes. and I'd say the Anya Anya character in this is is uh, falls in a similar lane. Look at that! You see how I brought brought in some references in this episode. Yeah, we hadn't had many, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. So one thing that we didn't really mention, we talked a lot about how the characters shapeshift. We actually didn't talk about their species. They're called elastomorphs. Remember that term? Is that their species or is that just a term for people who can like change their shape? It's a great question and I don't know the answer, but Pulaski in the episode refers to them as elastomorphs and she says something about how they are... Uh, uh, in this like medical journal somewhere, um, but they there is a memory alpha entry for that word, and it refers to uh, a vaguely humanoid, anthrop- anthropomorphic shape shifting species once thought to be only a rumor capable of altering its molecular molecular structure into that of other species. So, I think the memory alpha is referring to this specific species of shape changers, but that could be a general term. I'm not sure. Oh, I guess when we were watching the episode, I thought it was more of a general term, but yeah. I don't know. It, it was kind of, it was foggy. <laughs> it does bring up so many canon questions too. Like, like you're saying, like we mentioned the, the, the canon references are just because they weren't thinking about it or considering it as a right, as a writing staff in a law as a long running franchise. But like, why, how is, how is Starfleet involved in this transport? Like if they don't know, like, is the nature of the society secret in Starfleet? Like, does the Federation know? And they're like, oh, we can't tell the people doing the transport? Or does the Federation not know who these people are? 
or like who these uh, this race is. Like they don't know anything about it. They don't know that like how they work even. And so like wh- wh- why is the Federation even involved? If, if it's a Federation member world, you'd think they would know a little bit about what that race was, right? I mean, the two factions of the species are are warring so I, I don't know when they would have had time to like get their get themselves together enough to even like be part of the federation exactly yeah so there's a lot of questions there and so maybe like maybe but they're supposed to be a neutral party though right that was the whole point federation's a neutral party yeah and i guess maybe diplomatically like they're kind of like oh we're gonna lend our aid and that could be like an, a like a stepping stone to maybe once you guys get your act together you can join the federation Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they kind of sort of what they almost did with Bajor in Deep Space Nine, where they kind of set up mm-hmm. and help out until they're on their feet. And then like, oh, then you can petition for entry. So I don't know. I, I think I mean, going back to that term, Elasimorph, I mean, basically, you know, it's a, a species that can change its molecular structure to yeah, human. I mean, like there's a lot of different. I think my thing is that there's a lot of different species essentially in, in in trek universe that um that have that capability i mean the sulaban i mean i guess those genetic modifications yeah. but like the change lanes i mean like how many different episodes are there <laughs> in the franchise where you know there's a species or characters that can turn into somebody else there's the salt vampire the salt vampire yeah yeah one you just did on frankenstein's podcast yeah, there's a lot of different species so i don't know so I don't know. It's not. I don't know. It's not like that unique of a property. I mean, ultimately, they're what I assume was the true form that she takes right before she transports at the end. Celia, um, sort of this like energy light being. She kind of looked like a humanoid rainbow, honestly. Yeah, which was cool. I mean, it's very trekky in that they're always they always have some sort of energy being in the, in like early star Trek was like energy races or, uh, non-corporeal beings. That's the word, the phrase I'm looking for. Yeah. Although, I mean, going back to what I said about like Wesley being really captivated by her looks. I mean, he also was very captivated by that form as well. He just didn't like the orangutan look. Would, yeah. Which fair. I mean, it's a scary look. She was trying to be scary in that scene. She was trying to be scary, yeah. So it's okay to say that. Intimidating, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley was definitely intimidated. (laughs) She was absolutely (laughs) intimidated. Um, Do you have any any final thoughts on this episode before we wrap up? No, I mean, it's a hell of a first love, I guess. It really is. Yeah. 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 No, anyway. No, it was, I thought it was a good episode. I, I totally, like I mentioned before, I'm, thought this going into this is gonna be a campy kind of dumb one and it is definitely campy but it's a campy fun one i i liked it yeah i think the same thing like i couldn't remember some of the finer points of this episode until we watched it again and i agree that there's a lot of kernels of like you know great lines here and there and just some sweet moments and yeah impressive impressive things yeah Hell of a follow-up to Measure of a Man. True. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Might as well be something like this where you go from debating the rights of sentient androids to teenage love. (laughs) Yeah. no, Teenage romance. They've done kind of a good job of doing that sometimes where they follow a heavy episode with kind of a more chill episode or even more of like a personal introspect. I keep thinking of the one where, you know, like the two-parter where Picard becomes the Borg. 
Mm-hmm. And then followed up by that family episode where he just kind of has to kind of deals with the consequences by seeing his family. Oh, yeah. Like it's so nice to follow up that like such a big epic scale storyline with just a small personal family storyline. That's what makes me think of. So I don't know. Some, uh, there's some wisdom to that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say with that. Assuming that this was like on purpose. Yeah. yeah I production <laughs> order have no idea. Yeah. So right. anyway. Yeah. No. I, good stuff. I think um, before we wrap up, though, I think. uh I don't know if this if I'll have this out by September. The last, I don't know if this is a September episode technically, right? Yeah. We try to do monthly. So if anyone's listening new, the goal of this podcast is to release one episode a month if we can. We are both independently quite busy, especially this time of the year. So we do our best. So apologies that we didn't get one in September. But we have our incredible backlog of five episodes you can go back and listen to. And also welcome to some of the new followers we recently gained on Twitter. We kind of just had a surge of new followers um, uh, on our Twitter, which is at DSLovePod. So um, if you haven't yet followed us, please do. And if you are now listening, if this is your first episode, um, after having just joined, yeah, welcome. And thanks for following. And um, we hope you stick around. Yeah, folks. So uh, hope hope to hear from you. If you like this, leave us a nice review. Uh, drop a comment, anything like that. So uh, stick around. Yeah, even if this doesn't get out by uh, September 30th, which is tomorrow. It will not. In a few hours, um, which probably won't. It'll be at least uh, within the first couple days of October. And um, we're setting up something else to 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 record in October as well. So Yeah, so you might have two in October because of the lack of one in September. Yeah, well, September's got like 30 days only. So, you know, it's kind of missing a day. Right. That's the only, that's the reason we're mm-hmm. late. Yeah. Solely the reason. <laughs> yeah. If you had an extra day, you could definitely get it done. I, it's true, actually. All right. Thanks, DS Love followers. Until next time, love long and prosper. Bye.